Good morning. Welcome to Crosspoint. My name is Bruce Rokas, and we're in a series called 10 Values That Build Strong Families. And we started this a few weeks ago. And if you remember the first lesson, I asked you to picture a great big old red ribbon with a one in the middle of it. And what did that stand for of the Ten Commandments? The first commandment, which is, there's only one God and He should be first place in my life. The second commandment, which is like unto it, is found in Exodus chapter 20. And verse 4, you shall not make any idols. You're going, boy, I haven't done that. You must never bow to an image. Haven't done that. Or worship it in any way. Now, there are two big takeaways I want you to get from this morning lesson. Number one, don't idolize anything. And the second big takeaway, if you just get these two points, when you leave, you will have been fed. Worship only God. So what does it mean? Let's take the first one first. What does it mean to, to not idolize anything? What is an idol? An idol is anything that takes our focus off of God. That means to value something more than God. Some people park their idols in their garages. Some people park their idols on their docks. Or some people put their idols in their safety deposit boxes. You know, in Bible times, there were three primary kinds of idols. There was Baal. You've heard of the Baal gods, right? The Baal gods were the gods of sex. And then you've got your mammon gods. Mammon was the god of money. And Molech was the god of violence. Have things changed all that much? When you stop and think about it, we spend billions of dollars a year to go watch Hollywood movies that promote sex and money and violence. Things really haven't changed all that much. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 15. It says, For your own good, don't sin by making an idol in any form at all. Isn't that an interesting phrase right there? Any form at all. You say, well, you know, I've never made an idol. I've never bowed down to an image. I've not done that. Well, why does he mention in any form at all? See, it's not just something you make with your hands. You can create an image of God in your own mind, can you not? Have you ever heard anyone say, to me, God is like fill in the blank. And then they go on to describe the God that they believe in. Or the God they don't believe. I don't believe in a God that would create a place like hell. Oh, okay. Well then, who made you God? You're breaking the first commandment. You're taking God and you're telling God what he must do. That's the second commandment. You've created an image of God in your own mind. And isn't it interesting how when whenever we do this, we generally tend to create a God that fits our lifestyle or fits our belief system, right? We tell God what he's going to believe, how he's to believe it, and why. And we become the standard rather than letting God be God. Some people create a God that believes in a woman's right to kill her own child in her womb. All the way up to the last day of birth. And things are going if they keep going in this direction, even after the child is born. 
when sometimes there's a botched abortion and somehow, some way, by a miracle of God, that baby lives and they want to keep it comfortable and talk to the mother. What should we do about this baby over here? We need to make a decision. Hey, I thought it was about a woman's right to, to her own body. This baby is now outside the womb. You take the life of that baby, that's murder. That's a, that's a beating heart you're stopping. That's how sick our society is. That's the direction we're headed in. And I don't want that to be the case. Some people create a God that believes in flying airplanes into buildings and killing thousands of innocent people. That's the kind of God they create in their own minds. And so the Bible's clear. Don't idolize anything. Why? Well, there's three reasons why. Number one, idols will disappoint you. Idols always promise more than they can deliver. Jeremiah 10, verse 14. Those who make idols are disillusioned. It's just another word for disappointed. Because the gods they make are false and lifeless. Well, I just thought if I made this little box, this little statue, and laid it with gold, maybe some precious stones then, you know, it might bring me some luck. It might do me some good. It, something good might happen to me. And we think how foolish that is. And yet, we listen to television advertisers that say, if you wear our label, if you wear our brand, you will be more popular. I tried it. It doesn't work. Or, if uh, you buy our product, you'll be more successful. Or, if you use our toothpaste, you will have sex appeal. <laughs> Didn't work for me, but it might work for you. But see, we tend to buy into these images, these things that the world promises. Idols always promise more than they can deliver. Number two, idols will dominate you. That means they just control your life. And, and, and they, when they control your life, you end up with hurts and habits and hang-ups because you're being controlled by it rather than the other way around. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 2, it says, Before you knew Christ, you were controlled. Did you know that? And in Paul's day, as he's writing to these people at Corinth, he says, You were controlled by dead idols. Idol worship was rampant in Corinth, who always lead you astray. Whatever the idol is that's going to lead you astray, today's idols are addictions. All kinds of addictions. You can be addicted to almost anything. Some people are addicted to work. Some people are addicted to people. Some people are addicted to sex. Some people are addicted to sports. Some people are addicted to pills. I went to college. I had a roommate who was addicted to to chewing tobacco in Copenhagen. You know what that is? A little dip and a little chew. Dip went here in your bottom gum. And he did it so often that he wore out the, the lining of his bottom gum. And then he would stick it up in the top, that Copenhagen stuff, until that got blisters and sores in it. And then he would go to chewing for about a week or two until the sores down here healed. And then he would just repeat the process. <laughs> and I said to him one day, when are you going to quit that nasty habit? He always walked around with a spittoon can. That was bad enough, but when he didn't have it, it was worse. I had that roommate for one semester. <laughs> and I said, when are you going to quit that nasty habit? He said, I can quit anytime I want to. I looked at him. I said, yeah, but your problem is you just can't want to. And, you know, after we graduated from college, we'd stay in touch maybe once a year around Christmas. I'd call him. He'd call me. And I remember I'd always ask him, hey, have you, 
have you ever given up that habit, that nasty habit? And he says, Bruce, like 10 years later, probably it's been a long time since we talked, but maybe 10 years after this, I asked him that. And he said, Bruce, to my shame, I'm a believer in Jesus, and I've not been able to kick this habit. I've got unbelievers that have kicked it right and left, but I'm still addicted. What a shame. Idols will dominate you. Number two, idols will deform you. That means they will change you. You'll become the image of what you worship. Psalm 115 verse 8 says, Those who make idols will become what? Like them. You become like whatever is first place in your life, so you better reserve that spot for God. One time, a rich young ruler came to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. What do I have to do to follow you? And I think this dude was sincere. I think he really wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, well, here's what you do. Go home, sell all your possessions. Take all your money, give it to the poor, and then come along. Come follow me. I think Jesus was calling him. Now, if you think Jesus is talking to you this morning, probably not. He only did this to one person in the whole Bible. And you know why he did to this rich young ruler? It says when he heard that, he walked away very sad. Why was he sad? It goes on to say, because he was very rich. What was his idol? His money, his things, his possessions. Don't get hooked on that. Isn't it amazing how big a $50 bill looks when an offering's being taken in church and how small it looks at the grocery store when you're buying you know, groceries for the week? You know what Jesus said? You put me first. I'll take care of your food, clothing, shelter, all that stuff. What you're going to wear, don't worry about that. You just put me first. Don't make money your idol. Now, big point number two. Worship only God. Remember I told you there's only two big points, two takeaways. First takeaway we've already done. Don't idolize anything. Why? Because idols will disappoint you, they'll dominate you, and they will deform you. Second big point, worship only God. What does it mean? Worship is to give my highest love and devotion to. Only God deserves that. My highest love and devotion should only go to God. Um, I, I saw a video recently. I don't know if you know this name, Ray Comfort. You probably would remember that, Keith. A uh, little Way of the Master video. We're doing these on Sunday afternoons. You're all welcome to join us in our growth group. We just meet over here in the Sojourners class, BYOL, bring your own lunch. And then we watch a video together and discuss it. And Ray was talking about years ago when his kids were small, when he would come home from work, the children would always run and greet him at the door. Daddy's home! Daddy's home! And they would hug him and wrap their arms around his legs, and, and they would greet him with this warm, wonderful welcome. And one day, I guess they didn't have a TV, he bought the kids, I think he had three little kids, a beautiful color television. Put it in the den. But he said he noticed something. Something became very different when he came home from work. He was no longer greeted at the door. There was no longer the excitement. There was no longer the welcome. And this took place for about a week. And one day he came home from work and he went in and there were, they were all watching that television and he just took the cord and unplugged it from the wall. Hey, what are you doing? 
Can you imagine this scene? Do you see what's going on here? And, and the father says, hey, look, kids. I gave this television to you for your pleasure and your enjoyment. I am the source. I am the giver. But if it's going to come between you and me, I'm going to get rid of this thing. Because I don't want anything to come between you and my relationship. What had the children done? They had the wrong order of affection. They were focusing on the gift rather than on the giver. And when I heard that story, I couldn't help but think, I wonder how many millions of times in a day does our Heavenly Father, our source, look at His children focusing on the resource rather than on the source, rather than on the giver, we look at the gift. It's something we fall into. Worship only God. Unfortunately, most people, I like the people talked about in Romans chapter 1 and verse 25, it says, many exchange the truth about God for a lie. They worship and serve what God has created instead of what? The Creator Himself. See, they're focusing on the, the final product rather than the Creator of the product. You say, you mean there are folks like that? Yeah. Where are they today? Well, they're not where you are. They're at the beach. It's a nice day. They're at the mountains. They're at the lake. They're at the river. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that stuff. As a matter of fact, Jesus oftentimes, well, he took a day off every week. He kept the Sabbath. But then from time to time, he would tell the disciples, all right, guys, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. We're getting out of here, man. We're going to Palm Springs or we're going to the mountains. We're going to a desert place. Various places Jesus went to refresh. You need to do that from time to time to stay in the game, to stay in the ministry, to keep on keeping on. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. What I'm talking about is when that becomes the norm and fellowship with God, your Creator, is the exception to the rule rather than the rule. That's a whole different story. And there are people exactly like that they got the wrong order of affection i got a friend of mine who told me one time the worst mistake i ever made as a father when my kids were young and developing and maturing was to buy a motorhome i said what's wrong with a motorhome he says the problem nothing wrong with a motorhome the problem was we started using it every weekend. Instead of being in church, we went to the mountains, we went to the beach, we went to the desert, we went to the, the, the river. We did all that kind of stuff. And I noticed like five years went by and that was pretty much what we did. And then we realized our children were growing and maturing and yet getting further and further from God. And we tried to get them back in. They'd already m missed those formative years they missed youth group they missed bible studies they missed church camp and we never could get them plugged back in and looking back on it he says my wife and i are the only ones faithful i lost my kids because of a motorhome we went out and we worshiped the creation rather than the creator himself let me give you three things or three motives behind idols Number one, it is an attempt to limit God's location. 
You got this statue, you got this place of worship, and it becomes your idol. You remember John 4.24, what it says? This is one of our memory verses at Camp Tonda. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him, what? In spirit and in truth, John 4.24. But do you remember the background of John 4.24? Jesus and his disciples had been traveling all day. They're tired, they're hungry, they're thirsty. Uh, Jesus says, you guys go on into town, I'm going to stop and rest by this little well. And while he's there, he has an appointment with a woman who came to draw water. The woman at the well. And Jesus, a Jew, asked this Samaritan woman, a woman, for a drink of water. Broke two cultural barriers. A religious barrier and a male-female. Men don't ask women and Jews don't ask Samaritans for anything. They have nothing to do with one another. And Jesus can I have a drink? And she says, how be it you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? And Jesus responds. He says, well, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for living water, and I would give it to you. And you would never have to drink again. It would just well up a living spring within you. She says, ooh, she got her attention, right? Give me this water so I don't have to keep coming to this stupid well. And Jesus says, well, go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. You've had five and you're in a live-in situation right now. Ugh, she goes, I perceive you're a prophet. I mean, first clue, huh? I perceive you're a prophet. I've always wanted to ask a prophet a question. Notice how quickly we take the heat off of our sin and get it onto something else. She asks a religious question. I always want to talk to a preacher. Sometimes I'll sit next to someone on a, you know, a, um, public transportation and they'll find, what do you do I'm a preacher hey I've always wanted to ask a preacher this and they'll ask you a question well I always wanted to ask a prophet this you being a prophet you Jews say Jerusalem's the right place to worship we Samaritans say Mount Gerizim's the right place to worship who's right prophet <laughs> and she says listen you don't understand God if you understood God you'd understand he is a spirit he can't be confined to a place God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He is everywhere. Yeah, he's in Gerizim, he's in Jerusalem, but he's everywhere. You can't confine him. See, a lot of times what we like to do is we like to say, Hello, Jesus, I'll see you on Sunday morning there at that cross point church. Yeah, we'll be there. And then when we leave, we'll say, We'll be back next week, Jesus. We'll see you back there. We'll, we'll read your book, we'll listen to your words, and we'll come back and we'll fellowship again next week, Jesus. What are we doing? We're confining him to a place. Or number two, what we like to do, it's not only an attempt to find, limit his location, it's an attempt to reduce his power and size. I got this little statue, my little plastic Jesus. I got my little shrine at home. Man, I don't even go to Crosspoint. I just got my little Jesus right here. I take him out of the box, and I, when I need something, I just pray to my little Jesus. He's just little Jesus, not real powerful. See, a lot of people want just enough God to bless them, but not so big that he controls their life. Right? Oh, a little Jesus. Not big Jesus. And then some people like to manipulate. They'll, 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 they'll uh, try to manipulate God through request, uh, maybe long prayers. Uh, God, I want to I control you. And we'll say, now God... I'm in a mess right now. And we treat him like a genie in the bottle. I'll let you out of the bottle if you take care of my mess. 
we kind of bargain like a teenage teenage boy on a Friday night. Mom, Dad, I know the car's dirty. I'll be happy to wash the car if I can use it tonight. See, it's a manipulation. Why don't you just wash the car? Because the car needs to be washed. Why does it have to be strings attached? But how many times do we do that with God? Try to control Him, manipulate Him. God, I'll serve you. I'll do this. I'll do that. If you do this for me, tit for tat, quid pro quo. Solomon talked about the futility of trying to manipulate God. In Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 2, I don't, I might have it on the outline there. I know I didn't put it on the PowerPoint, but it reads like this. Don't be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. There's a big difference, huh? That's why we need to pray for thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let your words be few. I know what you need before you ask, Jesus said. Much dreaming and many words Blabber, blabber, blabber. The Pharisees would pray long prayers to be seen of men. Tithe men. Do little manipulating things to win God over. Therefore, stand in awe of God. Too often we come before God not to seek His will, but to try to manipulate Him with long prayers and many words. So, those are the motives behind idols. But what are the benefits of worshiping God? Putting idols away. And said, I'm going to focus on worshiping only God. You're going to find three things will happen in your life. Number one, it will delight me. In other words, I will have fulfillment in my heart. We all want to be fulfilled. We want to be filled up. How do you do that? You delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 37, 4, seek your happiness where? In the Lord. And He will give you your heart's desire. Isn't that neat? I want my heart's desire to light in the Lord. They go together. Romans 10, 11, Whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. You want fulfillment, delight in the Lord. Number two, it will deliver me. Not only will I find fulfillment, I'll find freedom. I'll find deliverance. You will experience freedom like never before. If, 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 the condition is always if you make God first place in your life. You make Him number one and you don't worship anything else. Have no other gods. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said, If you obey my teaching, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's the freedom He's talking about. If the Son sets you free, you are really free. One version says, you are free indeed. What's so freeing about Jesus? Well, you don't have to worry about man's approval because you're so busy worrying about God's. You're putting Him first. You're focusing on pleasing God. And you don't have to worry about the guilt in your life because you don't have any anymore because Jesus has taken your guilt. As we were communing today, I'm looking at my brothers and sisters. I looked around this morning and I saw you partaking of the bread and of the fruit of the vine. And we're saying... He died for me. He bled for me. He rose for me. He's coming back for me. My blood's insufficient, but His is sufficient. Thank you, Jesus. And we all ate and drank together. But thankful, grateful hearts this morning, didn't we? That's focusing on God. That's being delivered. That's giving us freedom. And the third thing it will give us is not only fulfillment and freedom, but full potential. It will develop me. 
2 Corinthians 3.18 says, As the Spirit of the Lord works with us, we become more and more like who? Him. Praise team, come on up. We become more and more like Him. See, you become like the thing you worship. Let that sink in for a moment. You become like the thing that you worship. You worship money, I guarantee you, you will become very, very materialistic. It's just the way it goes. If um, you worship yourself, and a lot of people do, you'll become a very, very selfish person person but if you worship Christ you will become like him and what was Christ like love joy peace kindness meekness self-control I want all those things in my life don't you want those in your life don't you want to be like Christ you say yes I do I want that then how do I do it except no substitutes worship only God. Amen? Let's pray it. Dear God, thank you for being our only God. And Lord, there may be here, some here today that are hearing about you, and they're wanting to make a decision for you. May they remember the words of a guy named Philip who came to Jesus one day and said, Jesus, show us what God is like. Jesus, show us the Father. And you said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. It's just that clear. You don't get to know God by worshiping idols. You get to know God by knowing Jesus. If you don't know Him today, I urge you to get to know Him. Through faith, through repentance, and through baptism, as David talked about in our communion service today. And we're grateful for or Nathan, who was recently baptized, and others that may be thinking about that and taking that next step in their life, their Christian life, and following you. Heavenly Father, if there be one here today that needs to receive the gift of salvation by putting you on in baptism, naming Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, repenting of their sins, confessing you as the one, the true, and only God, may they do so today. In Jesus' name, amen.